it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Welcome to the Often Daunted Podcast. Following what is largely a quite daunting victory for the Indiana Hoosiers. With less and less time to figure this out, it's now or never for a defense to get ready for the likes of some of the best teams in the country. In this episode, I'll be recapping the Hoosiers' 72-64 victory over the Army Black Knights. I'll be giving you some of the other news related to the basketball program before diving into some of the news around the country, including other results for our Big Ten brethren. Then I'll be previewing Thursday's Wright State game. Uh, before getting you out of here as I do each episode with that Hoosier history hit. So let's get this one kicked off as we do following each victory with the song. I would usually sing along, but uh, I'm hoping this is the most begrudgingly I have to play this this season. God, was that a painful, painful watch. I, I I was actually sweating. I was actually sweating watching that one. Good Lord. There isn't, there isn't a single thing I'm going to be able to tell you in this episode that the faces along the Indiana be- bench couldn't. Damn, it just... We, we like to start a game slow, don't we? Despite the initial oop to get th- things going in this one, uh, I- Indiana just really likes to get the game going at a crawl, it seems. I, I, we, we need a squad that comes out ready to run. This Indiana team looks utterly lost in the first five minutes of a game. Quit with the layup lines. I said it last episode, like, layup lines aren't working. This team is not tuned in. This team is not ready to go following layup lines, following uncontested dunk lines. Like, uh, whatever needs to happen, play half court. Like, do anything else. Layup lines and uncontested dunks are, do not have these guys prepared. It, it started off so painful. I mean, for, there, were four forced un, there were four unforced turnovers in the first five minutes against Army. Against Army. That, that is utterly inexcusable for a team with any real aspirations. It was the most painful. Um, just, I mean, at the start, when Army gets out to their 19-11 to 11 lead, you, you thought, okay, anytime Indiana's going to turn it on, and then that'll be the case for the rest of the game. But no, Army stuck with us. Army contended far more than we all thought they would, than uh, they absolutely should have. Heading into this one, I was glad to see that uh, Peyton was good to go. Uh, even though maybe when he got on the floor, he was a little too amped for his first regular season game in the hall. Playing a little bit out of himself uh, in those first few minutes, he had that pretty finish on the up and under, which was pretty great. Glad to see that went in for him. But other than that, still going to need him to come through here. Like, yeah, he, he was playing a little jittery, but uh, yeah, I, I have to hope that he'll shake that off. It was It was a story of just those turnovers killing us. Yeah, and I, I know I sound like this, but yeah, following a 72-64 to 64 victory, but it was the opponent that has me like this. I said at the end of last episode, following the Florida Gulf Coast performance, that the Hoosiers had to work on two things in particular, defense and free throws. Luckily, it seemed like they worked on one of those things, as our free throws saved our asses tonight. We needed every bit of the 18 we converted in our 22 attempts. And follow, following the lackluster showing against Florida Gulf Coast, I, that is much appreciated. So uh, at the top of this show, I'm going to say, hey, credit to the Hoosiers for being able to convert at the stripe. We, we absolutely needed it. What we showed uh, glimpses of last game, but was entirely lacking in this one, the uh, Indiana Hoosiers just could not, could not score on the fast break. There were zero points in the fast break in the first half. Zero. 
That is downright pathetic for a squad that just is so superior athletically to their, their opponent. And say what you will, Army played hard, Army played gritty, Army, I mean, say what you will about that Army squad. But th- that's inexcusable. That, that Indiana has athletes. They do. And uh, if your team isn't going to have shooting, it needs to be able to score in transition with athletes. After those zero in the first half, we, we amassed a total of four in the second. Four points off the fast break. When, when your athleticism should downright dwarf that of your opponents, which, which objectively it should have in this scenario, you have to be able to score in the break. Especially, especially when your team is struggling as much as they are in half-court production. In a game where Indiana's size should have told the story, it was Army who just who took us to the shed in the second chance points. Army with a total of 14 second chance points. Indiana with a total of five. Indiana was converting well, but, I mean, the turnovers were deadly. The turnovers were deadly for the Hoosiers in this, and it, they are nearly the reason that we, are, we would be sitting one and one. Luckily, we scraped by by the skin of our teeth. Securing that victory, still remaining undefeated, somehow, luckily. Nine turnovers in the first half, nine turnovers in the second for 18 on the night. 18 turnovers on the night against the Army Black Knights, um, who went into this game. Ken Palm ranked 323 with an adjusted defense of 257. Ranked 257 in the country for that defense. And, yeah, I, I just have to imagine that if we are giving up so many turnovers, the likes of UConn is going to make us pay for it. Is going to absolutely gut us for doing that. Eight, 18 turnovers against an opponent the caliber of the University of Connecticut results in far more points off turnovers than the 13 that Army had for us. It results in so many more fast break points than, than we will be able to afford to take. I don't know what it, what it is. What is it? Because it, the turnovers were, a lot of them were unforced. It's just Indiana just, I, I wish I could credit the Army defense for forcing Indiana to turn the ball over as much as they did. But Indiana turned the ball over for Indiana. It was just uh, lifeless passes with no intention. They'll tend to do that. And I wish I could. you could say that's, that's just like the lack of cohesion that's, that uh, is fueling that. But, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, the passes were errant. The passes, I, I, I literally can't think of another way other than just no intention. Ball security is key if our offense isn't going to just be lighting up the scoreboard. And Indiana failed to do that today. Here's hoping that we can uh, regroup from this. I'm talking like we just lost. That's uh, that's what that's the game. That's the type of game we witnessed just today. But uh, Indiana will absolutely have to regroup and just show a commitment to ball security, a commitment to delivering passes, a commitment to knowing where you want to go with the ball. Those were those were all the offensive issues. Indiana was able to shoot at an extremely competent uh, conversion rate, which is, a, I mean, credit to them. Credit to them because we needed to. But on the defensive end, you just it, it left it left all of us wanting so much more. Indiana tended to look utterly lost defensively on the perimeter. It just it doesn't seem like anyone is communicating communicating with uh, switches properly. At, t- at times, it's been looking like this Indiana team is defending against teams that just introduced a crazy new facet of in their offense called the pick. Going under a pick is not working for this squad. When uh, I mean anybody, when backcourts can shoot in today's game, going under these picks is not going to work. Going under these picks and not being able to communicate for the other guy to pick them up definitely isn't going to work. It was it was a painful watch. It was. There's no other way to cut it. It was a painful watch. Uh, that was a team that we absolutely needed to eviscerate to get some confidence going, to get rolling here to start. Uh, you just have to hope that on the other end we can take this one and learn from it.
this team needs to learn from it. We learned uh, commitment to free throws last last game, it seems. Um, but man, we need to fix some stuff in our communication, our defensive effort, our yeah. Now, now I will say that Army did get away with a handful of bullshit buckets. Um, I, I don't know why the hell the rims in Assembly Hall seem to be so friendly to our opponents when there's never there's never a bounce to be had for our guys ever it seems and it is it is a damn shame that arguably the best defensive possession for this indiana team was capped with a bullshit bucket by the golden knights or the black knights with uh trey on closing out on that corner three extremely competently and i'd take that every time credit to x for being able to shoulder pretty much all the production in the first half keeping the hoosiers in this one i think he had 15 first half points um, ended his game with 19. I mean, most impressively in that stat line of his today was was his ability to go nine for nine at the line. And it, while we're while we're t- giving some glowing remarks out, the Indiana front court was producing in that second half. Um, when we started getting Kalel the ball, when uh, Malik Malik started cooking a bit, uh, Indiana was able to end the night with 36 points in the paint. Which that that yeah, that's 36 points in the paint from uh, Malik and Kalel largely. But it was the inability to continue utilizing that. Malik and Kalel were so much more athletic, so much more physically gifted than the opponent that they needed to absolutely exploit that over and over again. We just couldn't get it done. The The largest part of that 36 points was Kalel Ware. Um, having a banner night, honestly, I am so, so happy that Kalel seems to, he's coming with a motor. He is. The, what seemed to be the biggest question heading into this season seems to be one of the f- one of the reliable aspects of this squad right now, Kalel Ware. He was able to go 9 for 11 on the night for a total of 20 points, adding 2 for 3 at the free throw line to that. But that was our that should have been our bread and butter today. Just get it to him. Uh, I, I love that Kalel was able to score 20, but man, if Indiana was playing it right, I he should have had 35. If we were able to to move the ball efficiently, to move the ball safely, we should have been able to feed the post a li- as aggressively as we wanted, and he should have had an insane stat line against that front court. But uh, honestly, credit to Kalel in this one, um, adding six rebounds to that twenty points. We needed each of those rebounds because uh, because Army was bringing the effort. Army was bringing the tenacity on the boards as they were able to ra- rake in eleven offensive rebounds as opposed to our five. And that is far more offensive rebounds when we were shooting far more efficiently. Indiana converted more shots than Army, yes. They uh, were able to convert 25 of 43 from the floor, with Army converting 24 of 61. Army was able to, <laughs> Army was able to take 18 more shots than the Hoosiers in this game. And I, I have trouble seeing a single team on our calendar coming up that if you give them 18 more shots than you in the game, that you're going to win that. Credit, credit for the Hoosiers for really gritting. Credit to the Hoosiers for really gritting this victory out. It was a painful watch. It was a painful, painful game to watch. No other way to cut that one. And just as far as the McKenzie debacle goes, like McKenzie, I am going to die on the hill that in order for Indiana to be a team with true tournament aspirations, he's going to need to be on the floor. He's going to need to be a catalyst for this offense. But his his inability to bring it on the defensive end just it's it's a liability that cannot be present it might take playing through that pain it might take it honestly might take racking up a few L's while he's on the floor figuring it out but we absolutely need to figure it out now because yeah that isn't an that is not an experiment that you can take on like come big 10 play 
I, I don't know the answer. I'm not paid to know the answer. But if that's allowing him to subsidize a few more minutes for Malik and Kalel, just getting some more energy in there, having him play the four, and if that if that includes CJ Gunn having to have an increased role in the one two three rotation, uh, mixed in there with X Gabe and. Trey, that's what it's going to take. I, I I don't have the answers. I hope to God Mike Woodson can figure it out here, though, because we absolutely need him to. The, this is a largely, this is a team still figuring out how to play with each other. And I'm going to, you know, step back from the edge a little here and say, understandably, understandably, this team was going to have some growing pains because there's so many new pieces learning how to play with each other. But I still like the pieces. I still like the pieces. And I, I, I genuinely... Promise to God <laughs> here. I, I genuinely think that this team still has some great ball in them. Like they they still will be able to reach a level that I'm hoping to God we, we can all laugh at <laughs> games like this in a few weeks' time. But until like until we can step it up defensively, until we can step up our communication, that it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a painful, painful road unless the, there's some real change in how the Hoosiers are communicating. There, there was that moment in the first half where the entire second unit was on the floor. And I, I don't think, unless something drastically changes here very quickly, I don't think we can do that again. I, I, the, the platoon subbing that we saw in that first half, yeah, uh, that, that doesn't look like it's a formula for much, much success. With, I mean, with the production of this one, it seems like you will need either an X or a Kalel on the floor at all times. One of those two guys. Malik's game, you, you can see he's taking strides to mature, but this this one, he did have quite a few just errant passes. It passes with, I mean, maybe, yeah, a target in mind, but man, they were they, they were off the mark quite a bit. And that, that was part of the reason that the starting six, I'd say, I'll throw Gabe Cups in there, uh, the six largest minute munchers for the Hoosiers each had two turnovers, with Malik having three. Much like I ended the Florida Gulf Coast recap, I'm just going to have to hope to God that the Hoosiers can learn from this one, move on. And, uh, hey, looks like we committed to uh, fixing those free throws last game. Needed every bit of them in this one. Again, let's just uh, turn that attention to the defensive end of the ball. Um, turn that attention to passing with purpose and turn our attention to right state. So to end this recap, I'm going to be giving out my show Walter Fish of the game. Yes, we still have one to give out in this one. So, I mean, for your show Walter Fish of the game, I wanted, I wanted to give one to our Captain X for being able to provide the production that kept us um, in this against far, far less athleticism today. But he's, he's the sixth-year captain. Um, if this team's not cohesive, if there is a letdown in any of these guys, it, to an extent, it should reflect on him. What, whatever is happening, fair or unfair, as the captain, to an extent, it's on him to get everyone on board and invested. So, in this game, it's going to be going to the guy who's bringing it, game in, game out, despite the single largest question heading into this season being his motor, Kalel Ware. Kalel Ware receiving his second show Walter Fish of the game for his 20.6 rebound performance, um, affecting multiple shots, while uh, he did only have one block in this one. He, his presence was felt throughout by the, Army, by the Army Black Knights. Again, 9 for 11 from the floor. Very impressed with what he was able to produce today. Very, I mean, his turnaround jumper is... Something to behold for a seven-footer. It is nice. <laughs> and I'm just hoping that we are able to utilize it to its fullest this season because I believe if we are able to utilize it to its fullest, if we are able to feed that monster, th there are still plenty of 
great things in store for this Indiana season. <sighs> Let's put that one to bed. Indiana 72, Army 64. Guess, hey, we are 2-0. and At the end of the season, I'm just going to see a win in the... I'm just going to see another number in the win column on, after this one. Yeah, time to move on, learn, and uh, we're on to right state. Hey, hey, we could have been St. Mary's tonight. We could have been St. Mary's tonight who just lost to Weber State. A win is a win. And uh, yeah, that's the thought I'm going to go to bed with tonight. <laughs> oh, on to your Indiana news. Before I start with anything basketball related, all my fellow Northern Hoosiers, uh, it's time to pay our respects and pour one out for Penguin Point. Following the closing of seven locations last year, they couldn't hold on. And now the final six were set to close just yesterday, if you're listening to this on Monday. And RIP to a real one. RIP to a great fast food joint here in northern Indiana. Uh, their tenderloin. Oh, so overlooked by the masses. So overlooked that they went out of business. Gonna miss them. In your Indiana recruiting news. <laughs> yeah, on to recruiting. Uh, we saw Liam McNeely sign his NLI this week. Uh, National Letter of Intent. And hey, it's official. He's on the books. I mean, I still think that people are able to decommit, but that is not happening here. We need Liam. We need Liam to. uh, Liam is the cornerstone of the Indiana future right now. And other than like Gabe Cups and yeah, other than Gabe Cups, Jakai, and everybody else we have on this squad, Liam McNeely is going to be a big piece of that moving forward and glad to see that he signed that NLI. Looks like uh, Derek Queen will not be committing in the early signing period. Uh, the regular signing period begins on April 17th, so it may be quite the wait for this one to be settled. In far future news, uh, Indiana offered their first scholarship in the class of 2026 to 6'11 top 10 recruit Sam Funches. The top-ranked center in the class is from Germantown High School in Madison, Mississippi. Iman Brennan joined Tate Frazier this week, where they discussed how worried Indiana should be on the tail of the Florida Gulf Coast game. Iman had pointed out how glaringly bad the defense was, with FGCU having to run very few plays to get open threes. And honestly, following this Army game, he's going to, I mean, that is a tape you can play again. That is a repeatable track for Iman. Um, But he made sure to discuss how Kalel Ware's versatility is a major plus for the Hoosiers, with uh, Malik being a more classic postman. He believes that they'll be able to perform very well together. And man, if we can get them the ball, if we can if we can move this ball around and open up the inside, yes, we will be able to capitalize on the talent of those two alone. Iman in that sit-down with Tate Frazier was sure to point out that Gabe Cups was extremely active on the defensive end, and not only defensively, but offensively, Gabe's presence had the Hoosiers moving the ball a bit better against Florida Gulf Coast. And Tate, credit to him, he uh, Tate Frazier gave a little shout-out to Trey Galloway, who uh, he said looked like a genuine leader of this squad. Also also pointed out to how good Mike's glasses are looking on our guy. CBS Sports released a ranking of their November of the November early season tournaments, placing the Empire Classic behind Maui and the Battle for Atlantis this season, saying, how about a bl- battle of the Blue Bloods to start the Empire Classic? The reigning national champions will face an Indiana team that reached the second round before falling to Miami last season. On the other side, an experienced Texas team led by Tyrese Hunter and Max Abmus faces Louisville. The Cardinals have been on the free on a free fall since the since the start of last season under coach Kenny Payne and this game is a chance to make a statement. Those games are so close. 
Those games are so close, and the Hoosiers have a lot to do before then. Here is hoping that this right state game can be the get right state game. I just talked about Tate. I'm talking about his former other half, uh, Mark Titus. Mark Titus had Ant Wright on his show Friday. Ant was quick to say, um, in regards to the Hoosiers, that they have a good ceiling but a very low floor. And I hope to God that's what we're seeing right now. He was quick to say that uh, the Hoosiers needed to figure it out quickly, especially where we are going to make up for a lack of distribution that Trace took with him. Not even, not even his lack of production, just his ability to pass being missed. And I have a feeling that that's what we felt today. Trace Jackson Davis was such a huge part of how Indiana moved the ball. And it's unfair to ask any of our current postmen to be able to do that. But we need to be able to find it somewhere else. We need somebody who can, we need this team humming and moving the ball. Opening up lanes to the interior, getting, getting those that can put it in the bucket, the ball. Building on that Trace Jackson Davis talk, Clay Thompson had some words about our guy. Clay Thompson said, I love Trace Jackson Davis's game. Yeah, I'm talking some Hoosiers in the NBA news. That game, that Army game's behind us. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're on to right state. Let's talk about some Hoosiers in the NBA. Where Clay Thompson said, I love Trace Jackson Davis's game. He's going to be in the NBA a long, long time. He's ready. He's able right now. What, what a steal we got late in the second. He's going to be a huge help for us all year. Even more impressive words for Trace Jackson Davis came from the horse racing expert and begrudged NBA superstar Nikolai Jokic, who said, to be honest, he didn't look like a rookie, maybe in some situations, but he doesn't look like a rookie. They put him in a system, and he accepted the system, and he didn't feel like he was a rookie, besides maybe some situations. Last piece for your Indiana news, shout out to the Big Ten tournament champions, Indiana, with that uh, share of the Big Ten regular season title. Indiana was also able to add to the trophy case with a Big Ten tournament title just this Sunday. Congrats to those guys. With all that in the books, let's get on to some national news. First bit of national news, not really Big Ten. I usually like to keep this Big Ten focused, but I just had to talk about Nevada basketball. As uh, Nevada men's basketball, hey, I guess it is Indiana news. <laughs> a little bit of Indiana-related news as a... Uh, their head coach is Steve Alford. Uh, Nevada's Nevada men's basketball had a swarm of bats interrupt their game. Yeah, that is that is some that is a problem. It was pretty crazy to see them swooping down in the game. Like uh, the broadcast just had the footage of those bats swarming and swooping into the actual play, which is crazy. Steve Alford pointed out how crazy it is that a D1 men's program has to deal with that, and you just you have to agree with him there. In other national news. I'm starting to think that I should have become a fraudulent quote-unquote gangster and cheated my way to success because it certainly looks to pay off. As ESPN reported this week, Self, age 60, will make more than $30 million in compensation for the 2023-2024 season and $53 million over the next five years, a number that includes $7.2 million in salary previously deferred due to COVID-related economic challenges. Kentucky's John Calipari was previously the highest-paid coach in the country. He will earn $44 million over the next five years, sources told ESPN. And in regards to this news, I have to say the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Dick Tracy lied to the American public um, when they made us all believe crime doesn't pay because they are wrong as hell about that. Now getting into some of the results around the Big Ten, Michigan State was able to bounce back, but that deadly backcourt we've all feared is contributing to a 6.5% three-point shooting effort at this time. 
which is the worst of any D1 school in the last 15 years. Also, it's only been two games. But boy, am I starting to be less and less upset that Xavier Booker didn't commit here. I have a feeling our irrational hope for him would have been largely upsetting for everyone involved. Nebraska's newest addition, ex-Bradford transfer Rink Mass, showed in a 81-54 victory over Florida A&M he may be a feature in in the Big Ten this season as he amassed 20 points and 16 rebounds. After three seasons at Bradford, the Netherlands native is looking to make his mark at the highest levels of college basketball with the Huskers. The Terps had a tough trip to Asheville, as Maryland lost both of the, their Asheville championship outings. After falling to both Davidson and UAB, I can't say I'm as high on Maryland as I initially thought. Uh, their defense looked entirely lackluster, and yeah, much like ours in these first two showings. It, it just looked lackluster throughout both games, and uh, their shooting was just nowhere to be found. In regards to our old guy, after coming off the bench in the UAB game, when he had previously started against Davidson, Jordan Geronimo had four points in 22 minutes with one rebound in a stat line that all of us Hoosier fans could have come to expect. Zach Eady had scored 18 points with eight boards as the Purdue Boilermakers left little doubt in their handling of Moorhead State 87-57. The latest for the Badgers, I will say Dalton Connect continues to be someone I look at wishing we had landed him. As he takes down another Big Ten team, dropping 24 on the Badgers in the Kohl Center as Tennessee beats Wisconsin 80-70. to Out the gate, Texas A&M looks to be a team to be taken very seriously heading into Columbus and taking down the Buckeyes 73-66. to Poor shooting did the Buckeyes in as they went down 4-19, to as they went 4-for-19 from 3. It looks like it may absolutely be the Thornton show this season for the Buckeyes, and despite him scoring 24 points in this, the Buckeyes just didn't have enough. Illinois looked far more mortal against Oakland as the Illini beat Oakland after taking the one-point lead into the half. Very relatable game. For the Scarlet Knights, Rutgers was able to handle their business on the back of freshman Gavin Griffiths against Austin University, who had scored 25 points in a 69-45 victory, but had showed much less to be excited for in their by-the-skin-of-their-teeth victory over Bryant, um, in a score that doesn't truly tell the story of how close this one was. Uh, 66 to 57. The Nittany Lions were able to beat Lehigh 74 to 65 as Ace Baldwin dropped 16 points in 34 minutes while coming off of the bench. Minnesota was able to beat the University of Texas San Antonio, where Dawson Garcia was able to score 22 points in a 102 to 76 victory. Now, I think that's Dawson's second game with over 20 points. M- Minnesota's had a proper showing in these first outings and uh, maybe looking to try to get out of the basement of the Big Ten this season. Iowa looked every bit like Iowa, beating Alabama State 98-67. And my pick for the Big Ten Villain of the Year, Peyton Sanford, dropped 17 points and accrued 12 rebounds, assuming a role as the Hawkeyes leader following his sixth-man performance of the year, sixth-man of the year performance last season. Northwestern's newest addition, Ryan Langborn. Ryan Langborg was able to drop 19 points in the Wildcats 71-66 victory over the Dayton Flyers, although the Flyers did outscore the Wildcats 41-36 in the second half. Following their impressive showing against UNC Asheville, Michigan didn't skip a beat, uh, beating Youngstown State handedly on the back of Will Cheddar scoring 20 points and Olivier Nakamwa scoring 17, going a combined 15 for 15 from the floor. That that was all the latest uh, results since the last time the Hoosiers tipped. I'll be uh, sure to include some more for you in the next episode uh, with that Wright State recap. Now that, yeah, that that was all the results we're going to get for you today. Right after this word for our partners... 
I will be getting into the right state preview. So stick around and uh, yeah, let's get into it. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports has finally amassed a podcast for each of these basketball podcasts, so we'll be able to work together, um, producing some better coverage for you heading into the Big Ten season. Really excited to get things uh, tipped off with Maryland. Uh, One game at a time. I need to quit looking ahead. This Hoosier Hoosier team, much like my podcast, needs to focus one game at a time. But uh, no, it's it's just been a really great network of guys and girls um, coming together, talking some ball talking uh, production of these shows and i uh, just truly appreciate all those dudes over there here's to everything that's to come if you haven't followed them at big banter sports go ahead and give them the follow if you haven't followed me on all of the socials out there at often daunted at often daunted at often daunted i truly appreciate it and i will most likely hit you with a follow back <laughs> thank you all right so here is the preview for the right state game thursday at seven o'clock in assembly hall Now, let me tell you, if the Hoosiers are not able to address the three-point defensive issues that they have currently shown in these last two games, Wright State is going to be the biggest problem we have faced yet. I'm concerned that that, those words just came out of my mouth, Um, but that's where we're at right now here in the third game of the season. Led by head coach Scott Nagy, who has always depended on his guards to get the job done for him in the eight years he's been head coach at Wright State. The Wright State Raiders were able to go 18-15 and last season. 10 for 10 in conference. That's uh, good for sixth place in the Horizon League. That, that, that was a showing that was not very typical for Wright State, as Wright State is usually more often than not the class of the Horizon League and absolutely look to reclaim those notions following a subpar season last year. They, they absolutely rely on the production to come from their starting five and even more so the one and two spots. If the Hoosiers can't, again, I, I'm going to say it, if the Hoosiers cannot clean it up on the perimeter and they are as abysmal as de- at defending the three as they were in this Army matchup, Wright State will absolutely make them pay, and far, far more than the likes of Army or FGCU. In their matchup with Colorado State last week, the combination of Trey Calvin and Tanner Holden combined for 33 shots taken from the field, with Tanner Holden going 6 for 12 from the field, 1 for 2 from 3 for 16 points total, and Trey Colvin went 12 for 21 with 4 for 7 from beyond the arc and a 5 for 5 showing at the line. Now, now that that 5 for 5 showing would have this Hoosier fan jealous had I not seen that the Hoosiers had improved on their free throw shooting um, against Army. But with 33 points in that showing, he is the one to shoulder their production. Tanner Holden, he is a 6 foot 6 inch 200 pound shooting guard in his fifth season of college ball and a preseason second team all horizon selection. That may be a name that some of us around the Big Ten may remember as uh, he returns to Wright State after a year of dabbling at the Big Ten level on the, on the Buckeyes roster. Last season, he played in 27 games for the Ohio State Buckeyes, averaging 3.6 points per game on two, with uh, 2.4 rebounds a game, while converting at a 47.8% rate from the floor. This single stint with the Buckeyes followed three seasons spent with Wright State, where he started 90 of the 91 games he played for the Raiders. This guy has played plenty of college basketball. Two seasons ago, while he was still on Wright State, he was averaging 35.4 minutes per game. In 2021 to 2022, the season before, he was averaging 20... Oh, no. Two seasons ago, while he was averaging 35.4 points per game, or minutes per game, he was averaging 20.1 points per game, which was good for second in the Horizon League and a top 20 ranking nationally. Obviously, this got him looked at by Ohio State. Back home, 
and back to a more consistent and comfortable spot for himself. Trey Galloway won't be able to take him lightly on the defensive end. Indiana will have to switch competently on the defensive end. Indiana will have to fight through picks on the defensive end. As for Trey Calvin, the the I mean the sh- one shouldering the most production for Wright State, he is a six foot, one hundred and sixty five pound guard now in his fifth season with the Raiders, and uh, by far the largest threat. By far the largest threat. He is a preseason first team All Horizon selection who has averaged over thirty four minutes a game in each of the last two seasons. Last season, he averaged 20.3 points per game, which was good for second in the Horizon League and a top 25 ranking nationally, all while shooting 49.2% from the floor. And just what this guy is able to do has him as an early favorite for the Horizon League Player of the Year. It's going to be the three-point shooting that could possibly kill us. It is going to be the production of those two guys that will possibly kill us. But, I mean, that being said, their front court tandem of A.J. Braun and Brandon Neal is nothing to write off. A.J. Braun has been starting for Wright State since his freshman season in 2021 and uh, isn't quite the double-double threat that Brandon Noel is. Did I say Brandon Neal before? It's Brandon Noel. He isn't quite the double-double threat uh, due to his lack of rebounding numbers, but still, I always feel like these lighter non-con opponents always bring a superior effort into Assembly Hall, and that always seems to be enough to boost the hustle and effort stats, which I consider rebounding to be one for sure. Brandon Noel is largely considered a favorite to be the Horizon League's breakout player of the season at six foot eight inches, 235 pounds. Following two seasons redshirted, last season Noel started in 26 of the Raiders' 33 games, averaging 13 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, uh, all while tallying 11 double doubles on the year. He doesn't do it with skill, he doesn't do it with flair, uh, so much as he just does it with brute force and effort. And I'm saying that Indiana's potential, potentially in trouble with. Right state shooting now now they are productive there, but uh they they may on the def- on the offensive end in terms of right state they may be their own worst enemy at times for sure as their three hundred and fifty fourth effective shot selection ranking will tell you that they like to let it rip even if they may not be in the best position to do so here's hoping that the Hoosiers can put bodies on bodies and box out effectively to maximize opportunities from right state's often ill taken shots. We, we can't afford to give as many second-chance opportunities as we gave to Army because if they do take these ill-selected shots and they are getting the offensive boards, they should have plenty of chances to do just that, beat us in that category. And that is, I don't want to lose that category to Wright State. As is the case for most of these non-conference opponents, I'm hoping to see the Hoosier front court shine. The Hoosier front court produced for us today, produced for us enough. We were able to get the ball in just enough to beat Army. It, it needs to be better. It needs to be cleaner against these opponents. We we are going to be playing some truly the top of the na- like top of the talent pool coming up, and uh, we need to see big games from our guys down low prior to heading into Madison Square Garden. With them having a smaller lineup, I wouldn't expect McKenzie to get the start at the three, or I mean, if he does, to get lesser minutes as the Hoosiers will look to keep up with the with a potentially speedier three. Even even with that being the case, our front court should be able to absolutely have the advantage and look to maximize their production down low. I'm, I'm really hoping for a Malik Renew breakout in this one, just a beyond-all-doubt breakout for our guy. If Kalel is bringing the motor again here, he stands to pose an issue for Wright State that they just won't see the rest of their season. Wright State shot 40% from three um, against Colorado State and could punish the Hoosiers should we come out with the same perimeter, tena- perimeter tenacity as we had against Florida Gulf Coast and Army. 
So, I mean, heading into that game again, it's just just tape. Just tape. <laughs> just tape on the defensive end. Um, just these guys need to be communicating together because Wright State will damage us so much more than these prior two opponents from three, if given the opportunities. Wright State is heading into this one as the 165th ranked team in Ken Palm as of Sunday night with the 106th ranked offense and the 100 and no and the 232nd ranked defense and again I mean a 106 ranked offense is nothing the Hoosiers can afford to take lightly right now we should be able to but we just can't following the last two performances we've seen here's hoping that the Hoosiers can bring the effort can bring the intention can bring the uh, accuracy and ball distribution can bring the ball security to have a showing against Wright State. We need a showing against these lesser opponents. We need a confidence builder before UConn. We, we absolutely do. If we were playing UConn following this Army game, it, I would be terrified for what the potential result is. It's time to get a palate cleanser for these first two ones. Here is just praying. I'm praying that Mike Woodson can figure it out because this Wright State game is the time to do it. It just, it, it, there's no way around that. Right? This has to be the get right state game. With that preview in the books, let's get on to your Hoosier history hit and we'll get you on out of here. This is your Hoosier history hit. Following Indiana winning the Big Ten tournament title for, uh, for soccer, uh, I wanted to highlight a absolute Hoosier legend, uh, that being Jerry Eagley. I, I've never talked about soccer on this show much, I don't think. No, I don't think I ever have. But uh, we all know and love Todd Yeagley, uh, who just won his fifth, cons- his fifth conference tournament title earlier today for the Hoosiers. But for, his, for this Hoosier history hit, uh, we are going to be delving into the man who made Indiana soccer all that it is today, his father, Jerry Eagley. Jerry Eagley was born January 10th, 1940 in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Always a fan of the beautiful game, Jerry's passion for soccer led him to Westchester University of Pennsylvania, where, as a player, his winning ways were started, winning a national championship with the Westchester Golden Rams in 1961. After earning his master's degree from the University of Pittsburgh in 1963, Eagley arrived on Indiana's campus as a physical education instructor and immediately took the job to be IU's soccer coach. Eagley came in with the intention of taking Indiana's club program and making something out of it with that goal of getting it to varsity status. For 10 years, Yeagley and his wife Marilyn Yeagley lined the field, drummed up their own marketing with signs all over campus, and washed the players' uniforms themselves, with no money from the administration to support the then-club-level program. In 1973, Jerry Yeagley would get Indiana recognized as a varsity program and would have the backing of the Indiana administration. Following that funding, following that backing, the team would quickly emerge as a national powerhouse, In just its fourth season as a varsity program, Indiana reached the NCAA final in 1976, falling to San Francisco 1-0. This was only the beginning, as the Hoosiers would quickly become the most feared men's program in the nation, under the individual largely considered the greatest men's college coach of all time. In his 31-year tenure, Indiana made the NCAA tournament 28 times, taking the Hoosiers to the equivalent of making it to the second weekend, the College Cup, 16 times in that span. This 16 times was the highest count in the country during that time. In his tenure, every single four-year player for the Hoosiers made a trip to the College Cup. In his tenure, the Hoosiers went 68-22 and in tournament play, which is the best winning percentage of any school. In that time, he made 12 appearances in the national title while being able to take home six of them. In that time, he was able to win the Big Ten Championship 10 times, 
And in his final season as head coach, in what was a dreamlike scenario, uh, Yeagley was able to ride off into the sunset with a Hoosier squad that went unbeaten in their last 18 games and secured him the national title over St. John's with a final score of 2-1. to one. Jerry Yeagley and his family's time and sacrifice laid the bedrock for a program that all of us can take immense pride in, a program that his son is currently building upon and providing the Hoosier faithful with more greatness on the pitch. Jerry Yeagley, in honor of the Hoosiers just winning that Big Ten tournament title. Yeah, that he, he's your Hoosier history hit this episode. Oh, thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted podcast. Guys, it's going to be fun when, when we have an exciting game to talk about. When I, when I, yeah, yeah, I love recording after a decent win, after a good win. But you know what? I'm happy to record after any win. So I appreciate you guys giving me the listen. This has been an awesome undertaking for me. I'm having so much fun getting these out each each game. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening. I started this show as a way to get that eighth hour of Hoosier content. There, I mean, there's so many great Indiana basketball podcasts out there, but yeah, I just wanted to make this for whoever craved just another hour of it. So I can't appreciate you enough for listening. I hope you are able to tune in for the next one, and I hope I have some glowing words for this team following a get-right state game. God bless you, Hoosier fans. A win is a win. Just keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself a win is a win. And we have so much talent that if it can just come together, this this team ceiling is very high. And, and we knew there were going to be growing pains. Let's get through them together. And uh, I'll be right back here. Uh, available wherever you get your podcasts come Friday. Uh, win, lose, whatever the case may be. God bless y'all. Take it easy. Lux at Veritas. Go Hoosiers. Hoosiers.